Good evening. We're so glad you're here tonight. Thank you for coming back. We hope and pray that it's been a great day for you. It's been somewhat of a messy day, but we're glad to have the opportunity to be back tonight to worship God in spirit and truth. I want to direct your attention tonight to the passage that was read a moment ago by Trent. We're going to be looking at Genesis chapter 50. As you well know, we're looking at key chapters throughout the Bible over the course of this next year. And I wish we had the time to devote to the book of Genesis. There's just no way you can adequately cover the breadth of material that is before us in such a limited amount of time. But we're grateful for the opportunity to study. As Jared mentioned not long ago, it may be that we go back and pick up chapters next year that we left out this year. I mean, you could spend a whole year preaching out of Genesis if you wanted to. But tonight we look at Genesis chapter 50. And we're going to be talking about the theme, Prelude to the Exodus. And so if you look at Scripture, you'll find that each and every book interlinks with the other. And no doubt there is a transition, a natural transition from Genesis to the Exodus. And we'll note that in a moment or two. I do want to say very quickly, we had a great morning. We had a number of people, a number of guests with us today. We're grateful for all those who visit. We appreciate so much those who come our way on a weekly basis. If you're looking for a church home, as always, we invite you to consider the work here. I know that our elders would be more than happy to meet with you, to talk to you, and answer any questions you might have. We're grateful for the opportunity to be in this community and try to make a difference in this world. And so we're very grateful for all the opportunities that we enjoy together. Tonight, as we look at Genesis chapter 50, you remember we said at the onset of our study in the book of Genesis, and we really just looked at four chapters in our brief study, we said that the book begins with life. And in Genesis chapter 50, we find it ends with death. So I want to begin by, first of all, calling your attention to this divine record. First and foremost, there is a record of those who passed, specifically two individuals, the first of which would be Jacob, and then the latter part of the chapter, as Trent read a moment ago, has to do with the passing of Joseph. And so in Genesis chapter 50, I want to begin as we think about a record of those who passed. Let's just talk for a minute or two about the brevity of life. And I know many times when we talk about the brevity of life, People sometimes say, well, you know, that's just preacher talk. Well, the fact of the matter is, the brevity of life is a reality, isn't it? Whether we like it or not, our lives are governed by time. The book of Genesis records for us a meeting that took place between Jacob and Pharaoh. Pharaoh asked him his age. And Jacob responded by saying, the days of the years of my pilgrimage are 130 years. And then he said, few and evil have been my days on earth. Now you know, 130 years, that's quite a life, isn't it? We talk about people that live to be in their 80s and 90s, some beyond 100. To me, that is a tremendous blessing. If you have your health and you live that long, then you have been richly, richly blessed. I think about the words of the psalmist in Psalm 89. 
The psalmist said, remember how short my time is. Time gets away, doesn't it? Brother Billy was talking a moment ago about the song we sang and how it's not just for young people. And I thought about an incident that happened about a month ago. I was in a store around Christmas time. And I was in a department store and a young fellow came up to me and he had a pair of shoes. And he said, and I had my workout clothes on, he said, what do you think about these shoes? And I thought, how about that? A young fellow asking me what I think about these shoes. You must think that, you know, I'm in tune with at least the younger generation. I said, I think they look nice. And he said, well, you know, you're about my dad's age. <laughs> I said, yes, sir. Well, you know, the fact of the matter is we're all getting older, aren't we? Whether we like it or not. And so life has a tendency to get away from us. David said many years ago, I was young, but now I'm old. Just part of life, isn't it? I encourage you this week to read Ecclesiastes chapter 12. When you read Ecclesiastes chapter 12, Solomon chronicles in a very picturesque way the aging process. And it is a very poetic way to describe how as life goes on, the physical body begins to deteriorate. And ultimately, as Solomon said, man goes to his long-awaited home. So life is brief, and so we talk about our time on earth, but then there is a transition period, isn't it? Isn't there? Life is transitional. Now, I said a minute ago that the theme of our study tonight, prelude to Exodus. The word Exodus means a departure. When you read the book of Exodus, you read about the children of Israel, and they're in Egyptian bondage, and they are going to be freed or liberated from that bondage. There would be an exodus from the land of Egypt, and they would be instructed to migrate to the promised land, the land of Canaan, that land flowing with milk and honey. And so as you think about life, there are transitional periods in life, aren't there? You know, we talk about our young people and the teenage years, and then our young marrieds, and then middle age, and then older age. Well, life is filled with transition. And then the bottom line is, at some point in time, we will leave this world. And so what we want to do, to the best of our ability, is to make wise usage of the time we have here on earth. As a matter of fact, the psalmist in Psalm 90, Moses, of course, was the writer there. And Moses said, the days of our years, we might live to be 70 or 80 years of age. Those years are accompanied by strength, sorrow, and labor. And then he said, it is soon cut off, and what happens? We fly away. There's that exodus. So in verse 12, he would say, so teach us to number our days. You think about the time that you have on this earth. And then there is our tour on earth. And then finally, the transition. So the brevity of life. And then at death, what occurs? Well, in Genesis chapter 50, there was bereavement. 
tears were shed. Many of us have shed tears over people that we've known and loved. We have, been, we have bid, bidden goodbye to people that we have spent maybe a lifetime with. We've cherished the time that we've had together. And we look back and we think about those golden years. And sometimes it's very difficult to say goodbye to people that we love. So with that in mind, look at, if you would, back in chapter 49, you remember Jacob blesses his 12 children. Those 12 sons represented the 12 tribes of Israel. Of note, the tribe of Judah. And Jacob said regarding the tribe of Judah, that tribe from which the Christ would emerge. He said in verse 10, The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor a lawgiver from between his feet until Shiloh comes. A reference to the Christ, the Messiah, the promised seed of Genesis 3.15. And to him shall the obedience of the peoples be. And so we think about the Christ coming and the submission of those who would ultimately follow Him. So down in verse 28, Moses records these words. All these are the twelve tribes of Israel. And this is what their father spoke to them, and he blessed them. He blessed each one according to his own blessing. And he charged them and said to them, I am to be gathered to my people. When Jacob said, I am to be gathered to my people, I don't think he's talking about necessarily his burial plot. But I think he's talking about being gathered to his people in the realm of eternity, the place that we call paradise or Abraham's bosom. You remember Abraham. The record tells us that when Abraham died in Genesis chapter 25 at verse 8, that he was gathered to his people. What does that say to us about life beyond the grave and the reunion that will take place between those who have departed this world? And so he said, I'm to be gathered to my people. Bury me with my fathers in the cave that is in the field of Ephron, the Hittite. In the cave that is in the field of Machpelah, which is before Mamre, in the land of Canaan, which Abraham bought with the field of Ephron, the Hittite, as a possession for a burial place. There they buried Abraham and Sarah his wife, and there they buried Isaac and Rebekah his wife, and there I buried Leah. The field and the cave that is there were purchased from the sons of Heth. When Jacob had finished commanding his sons, he drew his feet upon his bed and breathed his last and was gathered to his people. Again, a reference to being in eternity, the bosom of Abraham with his people. Now look at chapter 50, verse 1. In chapter 50, verse 1, if you make the transition, the Bible says, Then Joseph fell on his father's face and wept over him and kissed him, suggesting to all of us the sentiments that he had for his father. And no doubt that bond was very great because you remember when Jacob thought Joseph was dead. He said, I will go down to my grave mourning. 
There was a strong bond between the two of them. As a matter of fact, Moses said regarding their relationship that he loved Joseph more than all of his brothers. So there was this very strong relationship that existed between them. And we can read of the embalming process with regard to Jacob, the mourning, the bereavement, and then the burial. When people die, there are a couple of thoughts along the lines of our departure. Number one, when we leave this world, we leave behind a physical tent, don't we? Sometimes people refer to it as our remains. That is, this physical body. The body is to be interred in the cemetery. Now, it might be that some choose cremation. The bottom line is, something has to be done with our remains. And so, with regard to Jacob and Joseph, instructions were given with regard to their burial. Joseph, by the way, would be buried in the promised land. And you can read about that in, in the book of Joshua, chapter 24, verse 32. He was buried in Shechem. But at death, the body, Solomon said, returns to the dust from whence it was taken. And you remember Moses wrote in Genesis chapter 2 at verse 7 that God breathed into man's nostrils the breath of life and he became a living soul. Man was made from what? From the dust of the earth. And so Solomon said, at death, the body returns to the dust from whence it was taken, but the spirit, he said, that is, this inner part of the human being. There is the outward man and the inward man. The spirit, however, returns to God. And God is the one that assigns that eternal abode, isn't he? Prior to the second coming of the Christ, when we step out into eternity, we go to one of two abodes, either the bosom of Abraham or paradise, or a place identified by Peter in 2 Peter chapter 2 as Tartarus, the abode of the unrighteous. So that's what happens at death. We have a record of the brevity of life, the bereavement after life, and then the burial. Second thing I want to call attention to. First, there is a record of those who passed. But secondly, there is a record of providence. One of the things that stands out in the book of Genesis is the mighty hand of God at work in human affairs. It's amazing to see God at work behind the scenes. And so when we talk about the providence of Almighty God, is it not the case? The life of Joseph is one of the great examples that we have in Scripture. Now, there are others. But Joseph, by and large, is a tremendous example of God's great providence. I want to talk, first of all, about the fears of the brothers of Joseph. Now, remember what happened to Joseph. They had sold him out, hadn't they? He had been placed in a pit, sold into slavery. Brothers sold him out into the hands of the Ishmaelites and Midianites. He ends up in Egypt. And he is 
under, well, really, he is a steward in the house of Potiphar. And unfortunately, Potiphar's wife made advances toward him. He resisted her. And so as a result, what happened? He went to prison, didn't he? Two years. And so you look at the life of Joseph, and you think about here was a brother that was sold out by his brothers. Well, later, you know the story, they were reunited. Joseph is now second in command under Pharaoh. And the brothers are in Egypt for the purpose of buying grain because of this great famine. And in Genesis chapter 50, their father's now dead. And guess what? Their perception is, with our daddy out of the way, Joseph, he's going to settle the score. He's going, he's going to take vengeance on us for what we did years earlier. So look at verse 15, if you would. When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, perhaps Joseph will hate us and may actually repay us for all the evil which we did to him. If you go back and you read the Genesis account, you'll find out that for many, many years, they were living in anguish, guilt. They were bearing the guilt of what they had done. And Joseph had insight into that once they came to Egypt. But nonetheless, their perception was, he's going to settle the score. But note, if you would, their plea. Verse 16, they sent messengers to Joseph, saying, Before your father died, he commanded, saying, Thus you shall say to Joseph, I beg you, please forgive the trespass of your brothers and their sin." for they did evil to you. Now please forgive the trespass of the servants of the God of your father. And Joseph wept when they spoke to him. Then his brothers also went and fell down before his face, and they said, Behold, we are your servants. Bottom line, they were scared to death. And so I think about their fears, but note if you would the faith. Of Joseph. You know, there are a lot of great Old Testament characters that we read about. People that, in my book, were spiritual giants. And I think about one day when we step out onto the plains of eternity and we are reunited with people, all the people who have ever lived on the face of the earth that serve God. One person that I would love to stand before and have the opportunity to talk to would be Joseph. Just a special person to me. And so, note if you would his faith, and I really think his faith is summarized in a couple of ways. Number one, he was very gracious, wasn't he? And we talk about the New Testament and how we are to act and react to those who mistreat and hurt us. So listen to what Joseph said. Do not be afraid. Am I in the place of God? Now, I said something about the providence of God. Joseph said, as for you, 
you meant evil against me. But God meant it for good in order to bring it about as it is this day to save many people alive. Now, go back with me for just a moment to chapter 45. In chapter 45, I want you to see something with regard to Joseph and what he said to his brothers after they were reunited. 22 years has now elapsed. And they're standing face to face. And Joseph identifies himself according to verse 4. In verse 5 he said, But now, do not therefore be grieved or angry with yourselves, because you sold me here. For God sent me before you to preserve life. Then he talks about the famine. There's still five years left. In verse 7, God sent me before you to preserve a posterity for you in the earth to save your lives by a great deliverance. Joseph became the link in getting the children of God into the land of Goshen, 70 people where ultimately they would become a mighty nation of people. They would dwell in that foreign land for some 400 years after which God would lead them out. But God said, look, Brother Joseph said, look, God meant this for good. God was working behind the scenes, orchestrating the affairs. And ultimately we talked about, you remember that promised seed of Genesis 3.15? That promised seed would emerge through the seed line, wouldn't it? That seed line of Judah. All of that would take place as a result of the work of Joseph. Joseph was but a small link in the chain that led to the coming of the Christ. And so you talk about the redemptive story and the greatness of that redemptive story. And here it is unfolding bit by bit and piece by piece. Look over in chapter 46 very quickly. In chapter 46... The Bible says God spoke to Israel in the visions of the night. And He said, Jacob, Jacob. Jacob responded by saying, here I am. And he said, I am the God, or rather, I am God, the God of your father. Do not fear to go down to Egypt, for I will make of you a great nation there. Didn't God say that about, or rather, didn't God say that to Abraham years earlier? When God said, I'll make of you a great nation. I'll bless you. I'll make your name great, and you'll be a blessing. Because through your seed, all nations of the earth are going to be blessed. Look at verse 4. God said, I will go down with you to Egypt, and I will also surely bring you up again. And Joseph will put his hand on your eyes. God there telling Jacob in the long ago, just as he had said, to Abraham. You're going to dwell in this foreign land, but ultimately there's going to come a day when I will bring your people out of bondage. So, with that in mind, I mentioned the graciousness of Joseph and his understanding of the providence of Almighty God. But note also, if you would, his generosity. Down in verse 21, Joseph said to his brothers, do not be afraid. I will provide for you 
and your little ones. And, be, and he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. I said just a minute ago, Joseph was an unusual character. Many times in the world in which we live, it is you wrong me, I'll wrong you. And yet what do you see, what do you see from Joseph? Graciousness? Generosity? Is that not how we as Christians are to act and react to those who mistreat us? You remember Paul in Ephesians chapter 4? When Paul said, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and evil speaking and loud quarreling be put away from you with all malice. And then he said, be kind, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake has forgiven you. In his own way, Joseph demonstrated tremendous character. We talk about a classy person. He was a classy person, wasn't he? And you think about how we are to react and how we are to act in the case of provocation. Paul, in writing to the saints in Rome, said, Look, vengeance is mine, says the Lord. I will repay. Paul said, If your enemy hungers, you have the responsibility to do what? To feed him. If he's thirsty, you give him something to drink. In so doing, he said, you will heap coals of fire upon his head. Do not be overcome with evil, but overcome evil with good. Tell me, is that not Joseph? Great example. Now, very quickly, note if you would, there is a record of the promise. Drop down very quickly. Joseph died at the age of 110. In verse 24, Joseph said, I'm dying, but God will surely visit you and bring you out of this land to the land of which he spoke or swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Now, you remember back in Genesis chapter 15, the Bible says a deep sleep came upon Abraham. And darkness fell upon him, and great horrors. And God said in the long ago, Know for certainty that your descendants will dwell in a land that is not theirs, and they will serve them, and they will afflict them 400 years. And he said, The people whom they serve, I will judge. Now, that says something about the providence of Almighty God. You remember Daniel said years later, Daniel said the most high rules in the kingdoms of men. The judgment of God is seen time and again throughout history. And God was saying to Abraham in the long ago, look, there's coming a time when your people, your descendants will dwell in a strange land. The people whom you serve in this strange land, they will afflict you. And you turn over to Exodus chapter 1, and what do you find? The Bible says, in those days there arose a new king in Egypt who did not know Joseph. Verse 8. You know what, do you know what the record was saying there? A new king arose in Egypt that did not know the God of Joseph. Look, Joseph became a light for God in a pagan land, didn't he? And you think about 
the responsibility that we have as Christians today. We're to be light bearers in a pagan world. The world in which we live is a pagan world, isn't it? Now, in Genesis chapter 15, God said that the fourth generation would ultimately return to that land of Canaan. But listen to what he said. But the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. Suggesting that there comes a point in time among the nations of the world when they reach a certain threshold of iniquity, God will judge them. That's what he was saying there. There would come a time when he would displace the Amorites from Canaan because of their iniquity. So you have this prophecy set forth again in Genesis chapter 50 with regard to the descendants of Joseph and Jacob serving in the land of Egypt. But again, note verse 24. God will surely visit you and bring you out of this land. Read the book of Exodus. God, through Moses and Aaron, ultimately delivered the children of Israel, didn't He? And by the hand of Moses and Aaron, they stood before Pharaoh, and they worked great wonders before Him. There were ten plagues. Each and every plague signified, should have signified, something to the Egyptian people. But there is a God in heaven. He is not like the pagan deities that you serve. Culminating with the Passover in Exodus chapter 12. And so, you have a prophecy with regard to the bondage of Israel, and then this promise, the blessings that would fall upon Israel. When you get to the book of Exodus and you read of that great deliverance, there is a song of deliverance recorded by Moses in that book. And I think about how in many ways Egypt is symbolic of the world today. How people today are caught up in sin and whose lives are being destroyed by the bondage of sin and there is only one who can deliver. That one is Jesus Christ, the Son of God. The very one that Moses wrote about in about 1500 B.C. and began pointing to the promised seed that ultimately would come to fruition. You remember the words of Paul in Galatians chapter 4, verse 4? When the fullness of time was come, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem them that are under the law. The Old Testament points to the coming of the Christ. The New Testament is confirmation. The Christ has come. And then you read the epistles. And all eyes are focused on the Christ who ascended, but will come again. The Lord Jesus will come again. And as Peter said, the heavens will be dissolved with a great noise. The elements will melt with fervent heat. The earth and the works therein will be burned up. And ultimately, those who belong to God will be with Him forevermore in heaven. That's God's design. God wants all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth.
If you're here tonight and you're not a Christian, could I encourage you to come to Christ? I mentioned at the onset of our lesson the brevity of life. At some point in time, life will come to an end. The question of this hour, when you come to the end of the road here on planet Earth, where will you reside in eternity? In heaven? It's what God wants. Certainly doesn't want anyone to go to hell. Now the Bible says God would have all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. Jesus said, come unto me all you that labor and are heavy laden. The promise being, I'll give you rest. If you're here tonight and you're not a Christian, could I encourage you to come to Christ? Believe that Jesus is who He claimed to be, the Son of God. Confess His name before others. Repent of all of your sins. Turn away from a life of sin, just as Peter said on Pentecost Day. Be immersed in water, be baptized into Christ, so that all of your sins can be washed away. When you do that, God will then put you in the church. And if you are faithful until death, the promise is the crown of life, James 1.12. If you're here tonight, maybe you're not living as you should as a Christian. You need to be restored. Could we pray with you and for you? Brother D.O., Brother Billy would be happy to pray on your behalf tonight. As we all would be happy to pray for you. And you can leave here back in fellowship with God. Won't you come as we stand and sing?